We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Panthers fans, welcome in to another edition of the Roar Podcast. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you guys are ready for December where the real football starts, right? Yeah, look, Billy and I are here over the next uh, 45 minutes or so to break down what's happening on Mint Street. The Panthers, uh, in case you've been hiding under a rock, have fired yet another head coach. Frank Reich is out. Chris Tabor, interim head coach, is in. We'll break down how we felt that move was at the time when they hired Frank Reich. We'll reflect on our own priors, but we'll also look forward to what's next how to get this thing back on track. And it's really pretty simple. It starts at the top. As David Tepper said, the buck stops there. So let's analyze the buck, so to speak, and see how, if, and when this team will start to become winners again, because you deserve it, Panthers fans. It's been a long ride. Chris Tabor takes over. They take on the Buccaneers this weekend. We'll take a minute to look at that. And much, much more as we have a special edition, another post-firing edition of the Roar Podcast. John Ellis, Billy Marshall, right here on Blue Wire. Welcome back to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. I'm your host, Billy Marshall, joined as always by my co-host, John Ellis, uh, here to break down, um, unfortunately, it seems pretty common at this point, another firing and coaching search is about to embark in Charlotte once again and to discuss all of the reaction and provide some post hoc analysis. I have my colleague John Ellis on the other side. John. Hey, Bill. What's up, man? Yeah, uh, deja vu all over again. Here we go. Uh, another coach fired for the Panthers after an exhaustive search for Frank Reich. Uh, he lasts 11 games, and here we are with another interim head coach. Chris Tabor. So I've got some uh, some thoughts on maybe how we got here, but I'm certainly curious to get your perspective as well, my friend. Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, it just, I don't know. It, it just seems so, I'm so numb to these decisions, John. I, I mean, let me just get your reaction first. Like, what was kind of the, I mean, did you see this coming? It, it seemed pretty inevitable once, you know, we heard some of the, uh, you know, the reaction from the locker room after the Titans loss. Yeah, yeah. David Tepper, of course, you're referring to the owner of the team who uh, has been in the news a lot lately for all the wrong reasons. Uh, and and look, after the game, uh, several reported. I know Sheena Quick and uh, Joe Person had overheard him uh, dropping the F-bomb coming out of the locker room. And 
yeah, I think the writing was kind of on the wall with this one, although I, I will say I, I kind of stand by my original statement when you bring in this many minds, no matter how long it's going to take to put it all together, and then we can argue the higher, and I think it's certainly worth going back and examining, was this the right way to go about it? The fact is you put a lot of money and time into bringing these guys together. Uh, you give it maybe at least a year. I would say 24 months was initially my you know, idea of assessing this quarterback, this head coach, this staff together. But the fact of the matter is, and this is just my opinion, you know, this is not me reporting anything, Frank didn't seem happy. So something behind the scenes was brewing there. And now Frank is generally a very even keel guy, and he was that way throughout this. But there was just a total disconnect between his philosophy, I think, offensively, uh, that of his offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown. Not that there was any strife behind the scenes, but obviously you come in from the, the Rams background into this world, Frank Reich running different concepts with Philadelphia and then Indy. And the larger point might be that Frank, in, in hindsight, maybe should have taken a year off because the Jim Irsay experience is enough to drive anybody up the wall. And now you're being micromanaged by David Tepper. Uh, and there's no question about that. That's how that works right now if you're the coach of the Panthers. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not shocked. I think uh, when the news comes down, it's always stunning to see midseason your coach eating fire. But look, you're 1-10. in 10. So when you're one in ten, you were three and eight or four and seven. Would it make that big of a difference? Well, maybe in the owner's eyes, but I think there's certain parts of what were happening there, in terms of game management, the structure of the the organization itself from a football side, that got the owner thinking, "Hey, it's time to pull the cord on this." So, uh, I'm I'm almost speechless at this point. Uh, certainly can't be on a podcast, but <laughs> you're getting to the point now where. The next question becomes, money aside, how attractive does this job look to outsiders that they might be looking for a quarterback with no first-round pick next year with a back that seems to need a lot of work? Um, man, that's an uphill battle. Yeah, I just think like right now, like you've left your – I don't care what anyone says or what type of coping mechanism fans try to employ, but I just have a very difficult time seeing other coaching candidates – be appealed to this opening considering the potential other opportunities that will be available. Um, you know, even setting aside the ownership question, there's also very real questions with the situation that the quarterback is facing. And again, like I, I personally am not going to hide from the fact that I was a big fan of Bryce Young. And I still think he's salvageable. But if you have an option of coaching Justin Herbert or Bryce Young, you're going to be choosing the much more superior quarterback. Right. And it's not just Herbert. There's other potential avenues and opportunities where you have a similar or higher tier of quarterback that will be available for candidates to um, you know, pursue. And so that's just going to be the biggest drawback. And, yeah, money talks at the end of the day. And um you know, that's just how it is. But, you know, I do, I definitely want to get back to something you said because there's been just a lot of reporting. And, you know, John, I, you've been in the, you've been covering this business, the NFL, especially with insider reports for a while. How much of it is real? How much of it is false? How much of it is real? But kind of contextually, it's off base. There's just, you know, there, I don't know who reported this, but there was something along the lines that Frank Reich didn't want to run RPOs and he wanted to run his offense. And then there's stuff about the, you know, the 
calling plays into the headset when he wanted him to have a wristband. Yeah. I'll be completely honest with you. None of that honestly bothers me. That just seems like matter of fact. And it just, I don't really care about it. I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, I can't substantiate any of that. I mean, I think the broader context of what we're looking at here is an owner that, um, you know, look, we can call him meddling. We can call him non-meddling. We can look back at our track record of what we've said on this show. And, and honestly, you and I both preferred Young over Stroud based on the tape. And I think that falls in line with maybe 85% of the analysts and even scouts out there. Um to say, first of all, and I'm glad this point was driven home by Josh Norris earlier this week, to say that Tepper was the only one who wanted Bryce Young is a, is a farce. That's, that's not true. I agree it's, with that. It's simply not true. I, there, there were, hell, the scout that I know that had worked for that team previously for years um, had said that, that Young was his QB1. Although I, I will go back to the point I made initially during this process that this didn't feel like now hindsight's 2020 look at Stroud performing the way he has but some scouts didn't feel like this was the best quarterback draft that may be okay you know what if you're in a position where you are with Carolina don't sell off all these assets quite yet maybe give it one more year see if you can piece together something even if it's not Steve Wilkes which I thought at the time still would have been a fine hire Find a staff that can put together something with what they have right now and then work towards maybe if you're going to go for that quarterback Try it the year following. Hindsight 2020, they went and they did it. Tepper talked this week, uh, not very eloquently, but he did talk this week about uh, reiterating what had happened on draft night or up leading up to draft night. He had actually walked in the room and talked about this on draft night. The fact that the initial idea was to trade up with a three-way trade with Houston and Chicago to move up to number two. And what Tepper was saying, ultimately, and this is how it was, from my understanding, is, hey, they were perfectly fine at two with Stroud being there because there was very little doubt that Young was going to be the number one overall pick overall, no matter who was picking it. So you probably would have given up less. Uh, honestly, you, you definitely would have given up less to move up to two rather than one. How much? I don't know. But it's tough because now you're looking at a situation where reports come out. I think Steve Smith might be the one you're talking about. He and Kyle Bailey and a couple of others had a podcast where certain RPO elements were discussed in the wristband. And then there's other people out there that have had their own opinions on why and how this didn't come together. Honestly, it just, I, I can't put my finger on it other than there was just no progress with anything. And look, the front office and whoever is helping decide things aside from the front office alone, whether that's the owner and the owner did say on draft night, Billy, you know, he did the famous quote about the allocation of resources. You can go a little cheaper, paraphrasing here on ride receivers on skill positions because Bryce Young is a point guard and he even uses hand gestures. You can distribute here and there and there so we can spend more money on the defense. Well, first of all, they haven't spent the money on the defense. Brian Burns is sitting there <laughs> with no contract extension. The trade deadline has come and gone. And now the only thing you've got left to hang on to is the damn franchise tag. So if that comes and goes and he leaves the building without a tag, I'm, I'm assuming they'll tag him instead of giving him an extension. And look, I don't know. I don't totally understand those who say that Burns should be paid upwards of what the, the elite pass rushers are paid. I think he's had an up and down year, but I do think he's a cornerstone of your team. So either keep him or don't. But this has been sort of a looming issue since day one. They, they've got a good cap situation going into next year, but do you trust the people in place right now putting together the pieces because if you're going to run quick game stuff with Bryce Young and that's the idea 
you couldn't have put together a more discombobulated group of wide receivers and skill position players to get it done. And we talked about the offensive line. It was going to take time for this line that thrived last year. I, well, thrive's a strong word. I'd say they held it together last year uh, in a very, I don't want to say dumbed down, but they simplified things offensively. They went a lot of heavy personnel, and they went movement first, and let's play action off of that second. Now you're doing five-man protections all of a sudden. You've got all these different slides and looks, and you've got Miles Sanders isolated on a defensive end. whole thing's a mess. So the personnel people that are in charge, knowing that Frank was separate from that, and that was very clear from day one, Frank had his role. The spotlight now turns to our good buddy Scott Fitter, and now they have to make a decision, and the guy making decision is the owner who has yet to prove to this point that he is capable, independent of good counsel, to string together a winning team. And right now, I, I think that's, agree more. that's where the, the fear comes from, Billy, with a lot of fans. Is you know, I, I talk to them every day on the radio, and we talk all the time on Twitter, and it's like, who's guiding this guy? What's the next step? Is there a Kevin Colbert out there that'll come work for him and be the Ernie Accorsi type of advisor? That's the least you could hope for, because if you go into another cycle where there's uncertainty about the GM and the owner and his wife, look, God bless them. They own the team. But if they're not getting any good advisory counsel on what they need to find next step, then you're just going to be going through this again. Look, say he's impatient or patient, whatever you want to say. The guy's gone through more coaches on the soccer and football side than anybody who owns those franchises in the last six, seven years. So the proof is in the yeah. pudding. At some point, you got to slow the hell down. I understand Matt Rule. You gave him two and a half years, and that's fine. Uh, there was something different going on here with Frank, and I, I don't know if Frank is not relieved at this point. I just Frank's been through a rough couple years, let's face it, and his performance was yeah, not even, up to snuff. Yeah, yeah, even like – in the preseason and watching some of his training camp press conferences, he always seemed very kind of measured and just, he didn't really, you know, provide a lot of, uh, he didn't look stressed the, the entire time. He, he aged it, it fast, came, dude. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, uh, and, and that just gets back to my point. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that firing Frank Reich wasn't a good decision what i'm going to tell you though you are out of your damn mind if you think frank reich is the issue with this organization like agreed firing a coach does not strip the other issues that are currently you know saturating this franchise and i'm not confident one bit that the owner has any humility or idea of how to fix it he just doesn't and that's my thing john because like what you need to you can't just go out there and and we're going to get into this in a second but you can't go out there and just search for the next great play caller who can save bryce young that's not you need to find a head football coach who is and this gets back to my point i don't even know who that coach is and who that coach wants to be yeah who takes a broader look at the organization, who understands how to build an organization. Like, I don't care what anyone says. It, it wasn't, I mean, do you think Tom Brady was kicking those field goals in those Super Bowls? Or if it was, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what, was it Nick Foles that was strip sacking Tom Brady in Super Bowl in that yeah. one Super Bowl against yeah. the, when the Eagles were playing? No. Like, it, it's, it's a collection of yeah. personnel moves and decisions that you need to have 
in regards to your organization that can help you elevate it to the next level. And so, and so for me, Frank Reich, I don't think he's a scapegoat. I think he was deservedly, he deservedly was fired. I don't think he did a very good job. We can quibble about, you know, how soon it was. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the problems in this organization lie deeper. And I, I think until the owner has comes to his senses on how to fix it, which again, I have zero confidence he does, then they're going to be stuck in this rut. There's no reason to believe until you see it. And this is the same conversation I've had about every coach they've ever hired. Um, and, and, and some of this, the question I, I, first of all, I think it's terrible, a bad look that Scott Fowler wasn't given an opportunity to ask a question in that press conference, but that's the way that goes. And so, you know, you're the king of the castle there. You can choose on, and predetermine who you want to answer questions from. Uh, full disclosure, I was sick that day, and I, I texted Mike Kay, and I said, I'm, I'm honestly glad, because that's a trip that I would have hated to have made. Um, that, that was a waste of time on his part, on everybody's part. When you start diving in, and I understand where he's trying to come from here. You start diving back into the world of concerts and soccer, and the fact that Lionel Messi was there, and what a great atmosphere, and we're sitting here trying to talk about this football operation, this Panthers team that has not had a winning season under your watch, if you're going to have a press conference, bring some substance to it. I appreciate the fact that somebody at the end, I think it was Brett Jensen, got in the question about uh, yeah, Bryce Young. You know, you know what, what, Who preferred Bryce Young? What, what was the discussion leading up to that? And Tepper tried his best, uh, although I don't think it was uh, answered very clearly, So to the point where guys like Mike Kay had to go back and, and restructure it on Twitter to make people understand that this is what Tepper meant. It's like a translator you need to understand sometimes what this gentleman's saying. But uh, Albert Breer's done some pretty good reporting on this, and, and Albert's pretty dialed into what's going on. And I think he was the one that sort of isolated some things that happened in terms of, um, uh, well, first of all, the, the Bears game being a, a bit of a turning point in terms of, okay, this might be an immediate thing here. And had that not been the lead up to Thanksgiving, of course, the Cowboys game was that too, then maybe this would have been done sooner. But you got that Bears game at the end where the clock was completely mismanaged and the, the, there was a complete boondoggle of a, a, a decision to kick a 60-yard field goal outdoors in Chicago rather than go for it with your number one overall pick. Things like that, according to Albert and others who report on this stuff and have really deep sourcing, that's the kind of stuff that pisses Dave off. The kind of stuff that says, you know what, I'm staying out of the football side from an X's and O's perspective, but Dave believes heavily in his analytics acumen. And he feels that in those moments when He's got it in his head that a certain thing should be done from a strategic perspective and it's not being done. That's where you see the the pissed offness from the owner. And he is an emotional guy. I have no doubt he wants to win. Everybody keeps saying this. Yeah, of course he wants to win. Nobody wants to friggin' lose. But, you know, Kerwin has said this for years and years. And I just go back to it. it's a very simple statement. You got to learn how to own. And he has yet to learn how to do that. Now, whether or not that's willful no, ignorance, I whether I think he will learn. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to prove it at some point. I mean, all these new owners that came into the league. I mean, even I mean, look at the, one of the best teams in the league right now. It's the Dolphins. All right. I mean, you know, look, they, they were considered a bit of a laughing stock for a while too because they were uh, pulling shenanigans behind the scenes, and Stephen Ross was ushering coaches in and out. You had the Brian Flores situation. Nobody's talking about that right now. You know why? Because this team is eight and three. 
and they've got a head coach who's installed a system that works, and there's a real belief in that building, and there's real personnel that fits that system. I, I don't know, you know, go back to the hiring process with Reich. He was brought in, and then the whole narrative is, well, Reich was given the opportunity to go find the best of the best, and it's the idea that Reich had this Rolodex of hey, great coaches. That, that right there is just ridiculous. It, that was That's not how it totally worked. <laughs> so you and I both know that. There were, there were a lot of people, including hire, Tepper, who it, orchestrated this staff together. No, and that's the thing. Like, just hire people that he wants to work with, like people that he knows. Right. Like, and don't get me wrong. I was a huge fan of this staff. But it's clear that all of these different personalities from different, um, you know, lineages and systems, they didn't mesh well correctly. I mean, then you got two of his guys getting fired and Deuce Daly and Josh McCown. Yep. Again, if you think those two are to blame for the issues on this team, then you've lost your damn mind. I mean, Deuce Daly came from, you know, the freaking Lions who are a contender yeah. to come here. I know there was some reporting that, you know, his mother – um, you know, she's, you know, lives in the area as well, but yeah, look, it's just, I, I agree with you. I don't question that the owner wants to win, but he is not. And Josh Norris said this too. He is not a patient or process driven person in a game that frequently calls for it. And I mean, if you're going to be like all about analytics and, you know, having, you know, studied the most analytically savvy organizations in all of sports from, you know, the NHL to MLB to NBA to NFL, those organizations, they take a process driven approach. They're patient in their decision-making. They don't jump from Cam Newton to Teddy Bridgewater to Baker Mayfield to Sam Darnold to PJ Walker to Bryce Young. That's just and completely you, unhinged. And you continue as an owner to empower the wrong people at the wrong time. Like Reich was separate from the personnel side of things in a much different way than Matt Rule was. Matt Rule was given full authority and then a diminished sense of authority later in his tenure, but still contractually final say. Marty Herney was given a lot of power early on in in that in that uh, coaching search that led to Matt Rule. So, again, having a, a, a basic understanding of the right people at the right time who should be helping you make final decisions. And he said in his press conference, look, I have veto power. Well, what that means is I make the final call. That's all that means is the owner. It's like, I'm going to make the decisions. And we can speculate yeah, all day. It's, it's very convenient for him to say that, John. Yes, it is convenient. And and you know what? <laughs> he he, he, uh, he bought the team, and he has that opportunity to use that that veto power and more power to him, but is that going to lead to more wins? No, I think there's a real, and this is what Fowler had wrote. He wrote an article paraphrasing here that, you know, David Tepper should fire himself. And what he meant by that was, and he explained this on Dan Patrick and on the podcast he does with Mike Kay and, and others that, you know, the idea is here to step back and eliminate yourself from that world. Just pay the bills, keep the lights on, provide all that great infrastructure you've bragged about and talked about and allow your football people that you've entrusted to do the job, do the job. Otherwise you're just going to keep finding something wrong every six months and making impatient moves. When, when all that we've talked about is Rome not being built in a day, I'm sure his head's spinning right now. It's not easy going to these owners meetings and knowing you've got a 30 and 63 record right there in your back pocket. 
And it, it, it's, it's like a scarlet letter at this point because that's how you're viewed in this league. Everybody's a billionaire. You don't have any real advantages right now. I mean, this is just the way it is. So I, I just would encourage, you hear these reports from Rappaport, and boy, God, when Rappaport got on there, it's like PR for the team. It's so bad, like the day after. It's like, is this an attractive job? Yes, it's an attractive job. Yes. Every job is attractive until it isn't. Yes, and so the idea I mean, how here, many How many years, like, I mean, freaking Dan Snyder was able to get Mike Shanahan. Of they're all, all attractive, but here's the, what, what sets you apart is what you can do in the margins and, and what separates you in terms of, okay, if I'm a candidate, if I'm Ben Johnson, there's nothing to suggest concrete that Ben Johnson backed out because he was afraid to work for David Tepper, talking about the interview last year. But you can point to things and say, you know what? Now, after all this time, after one of the most respected football men on the planet, Frank Reich, argue his credentials all you want, argue what happened in Indy all you want, bad break that Andrew Luck retired on him. He still made the playoffs a couple of years, and he certainly had a track record that you could look at and say, hey, the guy understands what he's doing. But when you pair him up with people and you do this matchmaker thing in terms of all-star staff, which at the time, yes, I know, on the surface looked good to even us. As the season wore on, the biggest concern watching this thing from close view, covering the team closely, was that, hey, there's a lot of cooks in this kitchen, and there's a lot of different ideas, and you hand the play calling over to Thomas Brown. That doesn't go that great, because maybe Thomas isn't quite ready to inherit what he's been given, which is bad receivers, bad offensive line play, and a a quarterback that's undersized. That's got a lot of acumen, but everything is set up to fail right now for this quarterback who still has the game in him, I think, to be an elite player in this league. But boy, he's creating some bad habits for himself. He's developing some bad, uh, bad tendencies, and that can, that can wreck a guy early on. And to have your coach fired this early, you, you would hope, and again, these are much different guys in terms of size and stature, but in terms of how the scouting report looked, in terms of what they could do in a clean pocket, with things around them that make sense, the approach needs to be similar to what Jacksonville did the following season, which is make sure you stabilize things, which they thought they did with the head coach this time around, but be damn sure you do it this time around. And it's players, Billy. It's personnel. I mean, look, I, I can't say it enough. How many times we look at it's the scheme also, but the receivers just simply cannot get open. There's no sense of scramble drill at all with these receivers when you look at the tape. And there's a run game that's just completely dead. And so the next step needs to be finding a coach who knows how to put together a winning program. Stop focusing so much on what all the reports say. And even Tepper himself has probably insinuated this. We got to find somebody to fix Bryce. That's a terrible way to lead into your search. I 100% agree. I just cannot agree more. Like this is, you have 52 other men on this football team that are not Bryce Young. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, guess. I would certainly appreciate an offense that is dynamic and high-flying like we see in Miami and uh, Detroit and wherever else. But this idea that you should just, you know, draft or, excuse me, hire a coach to accommodate one player, I mean, that's just ridiculous on on so many levels that I can't even begin to describe it. Like, they did that last year. I mean, that's the reason they didn't hire Steve Wilkes. Or any, they didn't give consideration to D'Amico Ryan's. Uh, I'm not sure yeah. if D'Amico had any interest here. I think it's been reported that he only had eyes on Houston, but they didn't even interview him or talk to him. 
is like you can't just isolate a head coaching search to just offensive gurus. That's how you hire a guy like Nathaniel Hackett who flames out in Denver and who's flaming out with the Jets just because he's buddies with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, there's right. so many examples of these offensive gurus who, you know, become head coaches and they don't do anything. Well, look yeah, at, look mean, at Houston. Houston, they've got the structure in place. They've got a head coach who, by the way, has never played quarterback, has never coached quarterbacks, to my knowledge, was an all-pro linebacker in the NFL, and he goes out and hires Bobby Slowick, and there's continuity there. There's no diversity of thought. This is what diversity of thought looks like right now. <laughs> Everybody's getting fired midseason. Yeah, uh, I mean, th- th- this is... Let me uh, read you something real quick from a guy that uh, I've known for a while that used to work with the team on the football side. The difference between Jerry Richardson and David Tepper is that JR knew football, but he let us do our jobs without interference. Not saying Tepper doesn't know football, but he is more numbers-based, and he wants to be more like Jerry Jones and not more like Jerry Richardson. I can't see anyone wanting to work for him unless they have a numbers or analytics background, but even then he'll put his two cents in when it's not needed. That's why I kind of believe the report of him wanting Bryce Young and everyone else wanting Stroud. Now, that's his perspective. He's also told me what Josh has also said, that there were more than one people in the building that wanted uh, Bryce Young. But there were certain people that wanted Richardson, that had an eye on him, and there were certainly people that had Stroud. Uh, we'll probably never know what Frank Reich wanted because Frank's too classy to even speak up on that. I don't think Frank will ever reveal what his thought process was in that, but I'll say this, that, um, you know, at the end of the day, you're exactly right. I mean, they've, they've got to really zone in on, fire and on, on hiring somebody that makes sense for the long haul with this team. T-E-A-M, team, as Belichick has said before. And, and there comes the Belichick rumors, Bill. I mean, they're circulating. You got yeah, that's even a worse idea if you're going to be <laughs> trying to salvage a quarterback. <laughs> I just think at this point, the idea of what you're going to bring him, and, and O'Brien <laughs> is a package deal. I can see it now. Belichick and O'Brien, and O'Brien's the heir apparent, and they'll fix Bryce. Well, how's that gone for Mac Jones? Yeah, I, I don't care what you think about Mac Jones. Mac Jones was a perfectly functional, solid NFL quarterback his rookie year, and that head coach has done everything in his power to make it worse. And you now have a guy that's just – bereft of confidence and he just looks like a shell of himself he looks like he should be out of the league and he probably will be the way he's playing but i mean is that who you really want to trust and and, and let's be honest do you see this owner like having any type of relationship with a belichick or jim harbaugh no i think the the harbaugh that relationship more than a day there's two schools of thought here there's some people have told me that there needs to be an alpha personality that comes in like a sean payton could have um or or a or a jim harbaugh and i both wanted him yeah i know you need that type of per that that type of strength to say get the hell out of my office (laughs) let me my guys work stop meddling that can lead to issues too um so i think until tepper comes to the conclusion that by all reporting out there that seems to just jive with one another, that he is way too involved in the football side of things. Until he's able to step back from that, it matters very little who you hire because you're not going to get a guy like Harbaugh. I'd love Jim Harbaugh. I'd, 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 yeah, you know, Sean Payton, I would have loved that too. But that's not going to happen. Not going to happen until you absolutely understand that maybe you are part of the issue. Maybe he does. Maybe he's coming to that realization, but I'm telling you, billionaires, Billy, I don't know any of them. But I've covered them. It's hard for them to take a step back, and you're getting dangerously into the territory 
of where the Browns were for years, where the Jets were for years, where your relevance completely disappears. And what follows that is complete apathy. I was at that Cowboys game covering the team, and I was in the press box. I think you and I talked about this last week, that I was shielded from the fact that there were so many Cowboys fans. But uh, it's a good thing they weren't wearing yellow or green or, or, or red where it would have stood out because it was by far worse than what the San Francisco game was last year before Matt Rule got fired. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, we got a mailbag, Billy. You got time to answer a few questions? Well, yeah. And before we do that, I just kind of want to look forward now. Like, let's just yeah, that's cool. um, kind of bring this all together and, you know, how this team goes forward. And, and again, if I've already said my thought, I don't really have any names to give you. I mean, I'm not going to give you names because each time I do, like, it, it just, <laughs> you know, slaps me in the back of my head. So <laughs> I'm just not interested. But, you know, at the end of the day, you need to find a head football coach, not an offensive coordinator, not a quarterback's coach, not a Bryce Young developer, a head football coach, mm. and whoever that is. But, and if that coach believes in Bryce Young, then you know what? Great. If he doesn't, great. Hire the best guy for the job. You think Sean Payton's happy he's working with Russell Wilson? I don't think he is, but you know what he's doing? He he accepted that challenge, and look at them. They won, what, five, six in a row, and they're right yeah. in the thick of the playoff chase. And the entire, team, the entire team is playing better as one. They're playing complementary football. Exactly. I just feel like you have to – Take things into perspective, all right? Now, moving forward, I don't know what the owner – I mean, the owner ignored a question about the future of the general manager. Um, I mean, he just – I just don't think he understands, you know, how to fix this problem. So let me just give you this, my idea. Um, you know, my opinion, you hire a head coach and he brings his own general manager and you give them like five to six-year deals and you just stay the hell away. You want to attend games in your suite and whatever mm-hmm. – I mean, that's that's your investment, so go for it. But I don't need you on the practice field watching offensive linemen. I don't need you going on your private jet from Tuscaloosa to Columbus to Lexington to Gainesville. Like, you have – just worry about your own stuff and let the people that are involved in football decisions worry about football decisions. And – to me, this interview process is going to be more about coaches interviewing the owner than it is the owner interviewing coaches. Because I just I feel like, look, you can one Ben Johnson all you want, and I think it's completely overstated. You know, him returning home, all this stuff. I think you know that is just. I don't think that matters one bit. I no, mean, no. these are grown men; like they've <laughs> lived all across the country and world. They don't really care about going home. It doesn't really have any. Could you imagine Ben Johnson? This organization, like D'Amico, yeah. had at least ties to the Houston Texans because he played there and was right. drafted by them. And so did Frank Wright. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I just think that's completely overstated storyline. But, but yeah, John, like I, I just think like you have to make this attractive. And how do you make it attractive? Well, you obviously have the money and the resources, but. You tell them you're not going to get involved one bit. You let them choose how they want to proceed with whatever position, whether it's quarterback, running back, tight end. They feel like Bryce is their guy. Then you know what? Then you give them it. Then they should take that challenge on and you know figure out a way to you know 
create better habits and structure around him. I mean, that's all I really have to say, but I just think you can't isolate this search to just Bryce Young as much as, you know, both of us are fans of his. Yeah. If you start doing that, then you're going to be right back in this situation in a year from now. I think you're you're into, and we'll, we'll do the mailbag on another episode because we, we've got a lot still to get to here, and I want to separate the mailbag stuff from what we're doing right now because there's a lot of questions that we've already answered on this episode, honestly, so uh, it'd be redundant. But, um, like, there's a real danger here. This is an important stretch for Bryce, um, and even more important, assuming, you know, they don't write him off like Josh Rosen after year one, and I doubt that happens coming into next season because you're right. I mean, you don't get, uh, you know, I, I've heard guys around the league say 20 games is what you usually give a rookie quarterback to sort of show you, you know, barring an injury, what he can do. And um, yeah, the, the, you've got to understand like the people right now evaluating what's going on very well could not be here, may not be here to evaluate the future. So that's the dangerous part about this for what Bryce is going through. That you know, who whose eyeballs matter right now in that building, other than the owners. And you know, I, I'd say this: every game is so important to him personally for his personal growth and development. But it's so hard, Bill, to evaluate him. I know they just signed Gabe Jackson to the practice squad. He's like thirty-three years old, I think, and I don't think that solves a lot. They're missing both their starting guards. Aquano is looking more like a guard than a tackle increasingly, especially within this offense. And Bozeman is not impressed. Uh, Moten has had ups and downs, but still is the best offensive lineman they have. But like Bill, don't you think it's, it's really hard to evaluate him this year? I mean, I'm not excusing him, but it's, I, I look on the tape every week and I'm getting tired of watching it. Cause it's the same stuff over and over. I, I see some things I don't like with his game. Certainly rookies will have that. I think the Stroud thing has really put a lot of heat on a lot of people in that building, um, maybe to no fault of their own. Maybe it is their fault, but you put Stroud behind this mess, and how good does he look? I don't know. It's just it's hard for me to truly evaluate what Bryce is right now because I saw his Alabama tape. It's obviously the NFL now. It's a different league, and I think there's moments where he's been very good, but, man, when he gets flushed out of that pocket, there are no answers. There's no scramble drill continuity. There's nothing and there's no separation, and there's just constant pressure right up the middle where, where they've got to get much better for him. I've heard you know Randy Mueller talk about this, what they did with Drew Brees early on, was they understood they had to, they had to make it strong up front in terms of the centers and guards of this position group, and the interior offensive line have to be much better than they've been in five-man protection, six-man protections to, to give him a chance. I just don't feel like he has a chance right now even give a fair evaluation of what he is no i i agree i just think like it's all you know tied in together it's it's a situation where i mean we i got a lot of heat personally i know you didn't but you were kind of the extension of my you know my partner and you remember the heat that i received after we posted that podcast once the trade was made and I was just my biggest concern about the trade was the depleted resources you're going to be able to put around the quarterback, especially in a situation where you're giving up a very talented wide receiver. Um, And I also felt that this offensive line is just, it's not built to pass block. It's just, it's not, I mean, there are other offensive lines where, um, 
they're much more finesse and they do a much better job of you know getting into their sets and providing pass protection but they probably struggle run blocking but this offensive line and this just goes back to just so much of the disconnect between the personnel and the front office and the coaching staff yeah I mean, you hired frank reich you know what his, his offense is about it doesn't take a rocket scientist you can watch every single one of his quarterbacks since he's become you know a qb coach or whatever you know what type of system he runs and when you're going to be re-signing guys like bozeman and drafting zafala and drafting Iquanu and all this other stuff it, it just it adds to just the complete and utter disconnect between the front office and coaching staff and it makes me wonder you know is there any type of collaboration going on as much as they want to publicly say it i don't know because it certainly doesn't appear that way when you have guys like adam thielen as your wide receiver one who you know bless his heart he's played his butt off but yeah right he, he, that's just not his game anymore and chart just looks like a complete shell of himself you know injuries are a thing that i mentioned are a very huge concern mm-hmm. with him yeah so yeah and mingo we like mingo but that's developmental and that's not somebody that within the structure of this offense is going to come right in and and blow the top off of the defense. Although, I mean, again, you're seeing guys like Tank Dell within the right structure and scheme and uh, things that work out. And I, I'd arguably the better quarterback at this point, um, getting big results and, and credit to him with his speed and his explosion. I mean, look, look at the explosion this offense had. I mean, between Moore and McCaffrey at one point. And I know, look, you wouldn't have Bryce right here or, or arguably CJ had you not mortgage dj Moore, but Moore just crossed a thousand yards the other night for a bad chicago team um so yeah we were critical it wasn't just you no i was we were very skeptical of this trade when it happened it was a lot on paper when you looked at it and now you're in a situation where i know players don't think this way i, I would hope people in the front office don't get wrapped up in this but the fans certainly do and when you go through a bad season your next step is to look towards the draft. You start looking forward, and now you're you're sitting there at number thirty three as your highest pick. Um, not that you would draft quarterbacks consecutively, but it's not unprecedented. Uh, I don't know, and I I just think if you know you look back at how this all came together, it felt like at the time a little too much to give up for what they were getting in return in this year's class. Um, and I still, I'm a strong believer that Stroud landed in the perfect place at the perfect time with the perfect people around him, and he's capitalizing and playing great football. That's how it works. When you land in a bad place with a bad culture and a bad system and bad weapons and bad protection, it's about what it can look like. No, and I agree. I just think, like, um, you know, whoever is responsible for this, it's become a situation where each year they think the quarterback is the issue. They think the quarterback is the issue. Yeah, I mean, from Teddy to Darnold to Baker to PJ to Bryce, and I'm not saying each of those guys weren't the problem, but you have to stay patient and driven. And I think they will, obviously, with Bryce, because there's just no avenue of improving that position in the offseason due to their resources, and they should. I'm not suggesting they should move off him in – one bit i'm just saying like if you should not just find a coach just to develop him no no, um but what i'm i guess what i'm how i'm trying to conclude this conversation now is just you know let's 
play out the string and and see if that produces anything tangible from a um, on the field perspective. But look, until the owner changes, this organization is going to continue to be as impulsive and insane on a day-to-day basis because he has zero idea what the problem is. No, no doubt about it. Well said, Billy Marshall. I'm glad we got this off our chest. <laughs> go, go yep, Panthers. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, embarking on another coaching search. So we'll, uh, we'll keep everyone updated and in the loop, but they do have a game this week, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but thank you again, John. Appreciate the time. All right, buddy. You too. We'll see you next time, guys.